And greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. Once again, I am Brent Coley, your host, a former fourth and fifth grade teacher and current principal of Alta Murrieta Elementary School in beautiful Southern California. And joining me today, or tonight, because we're recording in the evening, is the one, the only Kyle Anderson. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. You are in Nevada. I am in California. And yes. for uh, and what's the weather like? In the, is it cold right now? Because we're recording in like March. Or is oh, it- it's right now. It's been like high fifties, low sixties, which usually we're creeping up towards the seventies a little more at this point. So it's been a little on the chillier side, but. I, I'm liking it only because it's just delaying the inevitable of the 110 uh, <laughs> here in the Las Vegas Valley that we'll get, well, with with it being cooler right now, we'll probably end up seeing it sometime in May rather than oh, June or July. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Take Enjoy winter while you still can. So yeah, well, and, and You can't see it, folks, but I'm throwing up the air quotes uh, with winter right there. <laughs> exactly. Everything's relative. I, I Exactly. For those listening, perhaps on the East Coast, uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And for those people listening, first of all, thank you for listening. And if you're not familiar with Kyle Anderson and his work, Kyle, give us a little uh, brief background. Who is Kyle Anderson? Well, right now I am currently a PE teacher. Uh, I've been doing it for only about six months. I had never taught PE before. An opportunity came up a few months ago uh, where I got into a PE classroom uh, at a behavior school, actually, and uh, it's been a very rewarding experience thus far. Um, I'll I'll touch on some other things uh, career-wise as we talk a little bit more tonight because it kind of goes along with our theme okay. that we're going to talk about tonight uh, with risk-taking and whatever. I, I don't want to give away too much uh, before we get into that, so I'll just leave it at my current position as a PE teacher for right now. I, I love it. What a tea, what a great teaser for what's coming next. Very nice, Kyle. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, as you mentioned, risk-taking, which I've done a couple other episodes, but I, I think every other episode could be on risk-taking because it's so important in education. We talk about our students. We, we encourage our students to take risks, and we, as the adults, as the teachers, as the administrators, we need to take risks, too. So, I give you the floor, Kyle. Tell me a story about risk-taking. Well, it really can go all the way back to when I was in high school. Um, I was, you know, junior, senior, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, as we all do at that uh, age. And one of the things that I started to go through the whole process of applying for the U.S. Naval Academy. I completed the whole the packet you have to complete and gotten some references. And the, the one thing I needed still was you have to have a letter of recommendation from one of your state senators. So I was in the process of starting to work on getting that. And then I, I played football in high school and I started getting recruited by a handful of schools where I was growing up. Um, I grew up in Michigan and I got a call from a couple of them to come do some visits. And all of a sudden now it's looking like I could, potentially play some football in college. So I started to weigh out the option that I could either go off to the Naval Academy, take the risk of putting in eight years to a school and a career that who knows if I'm even going to like it and getting out of a, something like the Naval Academy is just something you can't do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I go off to do college, 
you know, that's something a little bit easier. If I don't like college, then there's something else I can figure out a little bit easier than getting out of a Naval Academy deal. So I took a risk there and, you know, potentially may have uh, given up a pretty good chance um, with the Naval career, but I think I made the right choice. I ended up going off to Northern Michigan University. I started out, I majored in biology with a chemistry minor for about one semester and realized that oh, as much as I love science, wasn't sure I want to do it with my whole life. So I switched over to social studies. And uh, five years after that, four years of football, I had a degree in uh, social studies, become a teacher. Nice. From there, then it's um, looking for a job. And this is in 2005, back in Michigan. And a lot of people, we, we had the, um, the crisis a few years ago at the economy, 07, 08, 09, where unemployment throughout the country was, what, 12, 13%, other places much worse. Michigan has struggled for a very long time. Uh, the auto industry's collapse in the 80s and the 90s really hurt the economy of Michigan. In fact, um, in the last census, Michigan was the only state to actually have lost population versus every, every other state grew. Michigan actually wow. lost population from 2000 to 2010. And I was one of those people that it lost because there weren't jobs available. And the ones that were available there was a position open at a school where I, near where I went to college that I would have had to have been doing something else on the weekend just to make ends meet because they just did not pay. And yeah. at that point, I'm, I'm having to decide what I'm going to do. You know, am I going to try to stick around, maybe do some grad school or do I move somewhere? And I started looking at jobs in different places and I looked at Las Vegas and that was something completely different from what I grew up with. I grew up in Michigan where you're talking six months of cold, six months of snow. And then especially where I went to college, the snow, it came early. It came fierce, 200 plus inches of that a year, temperatures minus 30. And I'm looking at a place like Las Vegas where a snow in Las Vegas is almost unheard of. You know, it happens maybe once a year. So all of a sudden I decide that, I'm going to pack up all my stuff with my girlfriend at the time, which was another risk in its own, uh, and move 2,000 miles away and go settle in a place that I'd visited a couple times, but you know, I knew nothing about what it was going to be like living there. So packed her up, moved to Las Vegas under the impression that let's go try this out for a couple of years and then I can go somewhere else. And 13 years later, I'm still here. Wow. Wow. That's so big risk. Oh, absolutely. And um, it's another one. I, I don't regret it. You know, and I, I still remember talking to people in the months after leaving. So, hey, when are you coming back? I said, yeah. well, I just got here. I don't think I'm coming back. Well, now it's they don't ask anymore. Yeah. When are you coming back to visit is the question now, because they know that Nevada is my home now pretty much. Yeah. So so I got a, I got a job at a school teaching social studies. I was teaching U.S. history and government, and it was a very low income school high ELL population, uh, which is something that I had never really dealt with before where I grew up was, uh, very, very middle class and, uh, predominantly white where I grew up. So it was, it was a complete change from where I, uh, had grown up, but, um, I look at it now and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I really enjoy working in the lower income schools. Um, I feel that the lower income school kids tend to appreciate you a little bit more mm -hmm. in my experiences. And, um, Working at school was challenging. Um, 
you did have to take a lot of risks when it came to trying to reach some of those kids. And in the beginning, it was a lot of trying to teach how I had been taught a lot of the different methods I had been taught with, which, you know, a lot of uh, note taking and, you know, not PowerPoint overheads. I'm sure you remember <laughs> the old, the old overhead. Projectors and um, transparencies. Yes. I had, I had a book of those my first couple of years. Um, but then I started to realize that this just was not working and I had to do something else. So that's when I had to start branching out and start taking some risks and trying some different things. First, it was developing those notes I had in transparencies into something in more of a digital format. So, you know, the old tried and true Microsoft PowerPoint was the beginning of it. And um, that worked out for a couple of years, but then it's just, it's really not it's not doing the job that it should either. So now I got to really start to figure out some different things I need to do in order to be a better teacher. And that's when I started to try to develop my own website to try to help put those things out there for students, make things easier. And I tried, man, I can't even tell you how many things I tried with that different websites. My school district, they had their own little teacher website system where you could put different stuff up and it bare bones, it, it worked, but it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. So I tried that for a little bit. I tried to do a Weebly website for a little while to put some stuff up. That wasn't really what I wanted either. Then I just started using Google Calendar where I would put assignments up with the attachments on Google Calendar and try to do that. But then you still had to rely on kids printing the stuff out either at school or at home. And, you know, that was very hit and miss. And I decided to dump that and I was finally about ready to just go back to building a Google site or something when I believe it was 2014 was when Google Classroom came out. Uh, And Google, the game changer. I look back at it now and it was absolutely the game changer. At the time it came out, I believe we were back for um, our staff development days before school starts. And I was in my classroom, had it all set up and was getting ready to start plugging away at building a website. And I get this email that there's this new thing called Google Classroom. So I take a look at that and I start toying around with it. I'm like, wow, this is, this looks pretty great. I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. Who knows if it's going to work. And um, when I look back at it now, I was talking to a Google rep a couple of years ago. And I said that when Google Classroom first came out, it um, wasn't the best of tools compared to what it is now. And he said, yes, it was very feature deficient. Mm-hmm. And I kind of chuckled uh, when he said that because uh, it it was a perfect description for it, but it was the way he said it. So now whenever somebody says something about an app um, being terrible or something like that, I'm like, that's not terrible. It's just feature deficient. I like that. Yeah. So, but as, as time went on, that uh, platform started to develop more and more. And I was able to start taking more risks with things. Some of the projects I would have never been able to have done with students before, I could now do using Google Classroom. And um, I had never done video projects before um, having Google Classroom, but which could I have done that before Google Classroom? Absolutely. But it never really crossed my mind to do something like that because I just didn't think the kids were really prepared. But once I had to get them more prepared to use Google Classroom and teach them how to use that platform, that gave me the idea that students could do more, whether it was a video project 
or if it was some sort of audio like podcasting type thing. I haven't really done a true podcasting thing with students before, but um, there's different projects that I've done before where students did audio recordings for it. Um, but there was just so much more that I was doing as a result of being able to go digital. And then within a short period of time, I was able to go 100% paperless because Google Classroom could do that thing. You know, and in the beginning, it was a lot of the S of SAMR, the substitution part, you mm -hmm. know, where I had, I taught U.S. history at the time. So it was a lot of, in the beginning, I had like my vocab list for a unit where I'm putting up on Google Classroom and students are working on that. So you're taking just a, at that point, a worksheet and you're just put, putting it digitally. But eventually I was able to develop that to do different things with it to where that vocab list, instead of it just being, here's the words, define them. We did uh, different things with those vocab uh, lists. So one of them, I always did it with the American Revolution was I had a list of about 15 words that were related to the revolution, like um, like the Sugar Act, the Stamp Act, mm -hmm. to where students had to take those lists and then they had to write a story using those words. But it wasn't necessarily a story related to the revolution. It was more of like a just any kind they could write it about anything and i had this really corny like example story that i wrote where it was about me driving down the road and coming out finding this restaurant in the middle of nowhere or something but i incorporated all those words and then the students took those words and did the same thing you know and made their own stories and then they present them to the class and it was always a lot of fun to do um but uh as time goes on some different opportunities started to come up for me that because I was an early adopter of a lot of the Google stuff, my district went to Google and then they were at, they were needing people to train other teachers using Google tools. And I became one of those people. And it wasn't because I was somebody that was relied upon in the district for training teachers. It was because I knew the material. So all of a sudden now I'm becoming somebody that's used a lot in professional development. And I really developed a passion for doing that as a result. Um, working with teachers to develop their skills and whether it's Google tools or really any other digital tool really became a lot of fun. I, I do spend some time on weekends doing a lot of that stuff. Now um, I've done some different conferences around the region, um, went to California a while back and, and did one up in Visalia. That was a lot of fun um, all because I was willing to take those risks early on mm -hmm. um, to start developing myself. I, you know, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I was 100% paperless in my classroom. I haven't used a flash drive in years because why would you need a flash drive if you have Google Drive? Mm -hmm. And if your school's not Google, you got Microsoft Office 365 now with OneDrive. You know, so you don't need that flash drive if you're a Microsoft person at this point either. Um, so some different opportunities started to come up for me. And um, I was presented with one a couple of years ago where our um, district had digital learning coaches, which in California, they tend to be referred to as TOSAs, mm -hmm. teacher on special assignment. And they had some openings for these digital learning coaches where they would be assigned five or six schools where they would go like once a week, work with teachers, start implementing some uh, technology into their lessons. So I talked to my wife about it and said, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about and I think would be a great opportunity, especially because at the time I was um, working on my admin credentials, I looked at it as an opportunity to where if I started working with teachers more on a one-on-one -on -one basis, it could potentially help me to be a better administrator down the road. 
So I applied for this position and within a couple of weeks after interviewing, I get a notification that, you know, I need to come down to the office to talk to the uh, person that interviewed me again because they were offering me a position as a digital learning coach. So this was in April of 2016 and I was thrilled, very excited about it, um, notified my administrator about it. So they had to open up my teaching position so they could hire somebody else new. And I helped that person out with um, everything that they're going to need in the classroom because I was an AP teacher. So that he was going to be teaching AP for the first time. So I, I helped that gentleman out um, with that. But then, uh, then the bomb got dropped on me a little while later. It was um, the second to last day of school. It was finals week. And I got an email that was addressed to all digital learning coaches. And they said, um, you have a meeting that you need to come to later on today. Okay, no problem. We were under the impression going there that we were going to find out our list of schools we were going to go to. And we found out, uh, and we were also going to get our laptops. They were going to issue us uh, laptops for, for working. We get there to find out that the budget had been cut and our positions had been eliminated. Oh. Second to last day of school. So we're just, we're all devastated. And Absolutely. And has already been flown. And my position has already been flown and filled at my old school. So, and I had given away a lot of my stuff that I had. I had this enormous podium in my classroom that I had covered with all these stickers from different places I've been or things I've done. Like one of my favorite stickers on it was um, this like super spicy wing challenge I did back in Ohio or something like that. I had this sticker on there and I had given that podium away even. So I'm absolutely devastated at this. And now I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do because there, I had a job still. It wasn't like I was out of work, sure. but it was one of those deals where whatever was open in my district now, whatever was left over, they told me, pick your top three positions. We'll get you in one of them. Okay. So I started looking at this list and trying to figure out what I want. And then um, I get a phone call from a friend of mine. He uh, at the time was the Google administrator for the entire district. And if, if you're not familiar with Nevada um, in our school districts, Nevada has a really quirky law. That was written into the Constitution back in 1864 when we became a state that says that you can only have one district per county. Nevada has 17 counties, so we only have 17 districts, yeah. which means that my county, Clark County, we have 320-some thousand students. Esmeralda County, a couple hours north of us, has 40 students. So... My friend, he's the Google administrator for the entire district, so he handles... 320,000 student accounts, and then 20-some thousand employee accounts. So he's handling like 350,000 Google accounts. So he gets a hold of me and says, have you taken a job yet? Because he had heard what happened. And I said, no, I haven't heard anything yet. He goes, don't do anything. I've got something up my sleeve. Okay. He puts me in contact with a principal at a high school that had saved a teaching pack specifically for a digital learning coach because he was trying to build his school into a one-to-one -one Chromebook school. And he had just lost his digital learning coach to a promotion. He said, I would like to talk to you about this. So I drive out to the school, talk to him about what he's trying to do and what he's looking for. And you, you could look at it as taking a risk, but 
to me, it wasn't a risk. It was exactly what I wanted to do. But instead of five or six schools, it was one school. Mm. And so I signed on, I signed the paperwork 20 minutes after talking to him to become his digital learning coach. And he was going to put me in control of a tech budget uh, to help him to build his school up to one-to-one. He had already upgraded his Wi-Fi network and different things. And it was going to be a great opportunity. At the same time, I had just finished up our district's leadership academy, which in order to become an administrator in, in our district, you have to go through a 13-week program to help you prepare to be an administrator. And I just finished that up. And, and if I rewind a little bit to that one, that was another thing that I kind of looked like as taking a risk because while I had my admin credentials, I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to do it just yet. You know, just because I enjoyed being in the classroom, I enjoyed teaching. So wasn't sure if I want to do it. My principal at the time said, well, listen, if you're thinking about doing it in the next couple of years, you may want to try to get into this program. So I got into the program, went through the whole thing. And even as I was going through, I'm like, I really don't know if I want to do this. So I just, I love the classroom. My family time is very important to me right now. We'll see down the road. So going back to starting at that school as their digital coach, very tough. Um, You had a staff that, while willing to learn, many were kind of stuck in their old ways, and technology wasn't something they wanted to get involved with. So I did have a lot of days where I spent a lot of time in the office trying to come up with things to entice people, and then I'd have three people show up to the after-school thing for it. So... It, it was tough, but it, it was also enjoyable. It was challenging, especially when a district server kicked 20,000 student email accounts out and we had to basically reset all the school. I had to, me and my partner had to reset 1,500 student accounts one by one, oh. pretty much so over the first two weeks of school. It was, it was brutal. But at the same time, though, it was, it was, a, it was a great challenge. Helps, it really helps you to, uh, appreciate things a little bit when uh, you all of a sudden have to fix that many student accounts. So over the course of about six months, I worked that deal, um, did a lot of great things, I, I like to think, at that school. Um, but then that, um, that administrator bug started to bite a little bit, started to realize that, you know what, maybe I do want to do this now and, and get into it. So a few months in and the principal that I worked with, he was great. He knew ahead of time and he said he'd actually be offended if I wasn't looking for administrator jobs because he was, he wanted people to move up. So he was great in helping me to um, apply for positions and prepare me for interviews and whatnot. And eventually about six months after starting that position, I was appointed as a Dean of students for a middle school. So something absolutely brand new, a lot of hours of talking with my wife about whether I should do it or not, what schools I should try to apply for, different things, because we both knew it was going to be a lot of extra hours. It was going to be a lot of extra stress, a lot of new things that I was going to know nothing about that I'm going to have to learn on the fly. So after talking over and going through the interview process for different schools, I, I was appointed to a middle school uh, last February. I finished out the school year there. I did a lot of things trying to help out their staff with the technology stuff as well, because uh, that was one of the things I prided myself on when I went to interviews that I really wanted to help a school out to, to develop themselves that way. 
and um, this principal as well. She was very interested in buying Chromebooks and getting teachers trained in how to use them. So um, and incorporating that more into the classroom as well. Um, so I did a lot of work with that over the course of the rest of the school year last year. Um, the time commitment was crazy. It was a lot of learning. Um, I chalked it up to being brand new and that the following year things would be better. Uh, come back from summer and got back to the grind of it and it wasn't getting better. The time commitment was even more once things got going again. Um, there was even more stuff that I needed to learn on the fly and deadlines to meet. And it just was really taking a toll on my family. Mm -hmm. And the wheel started turning in my head that I took this risk and I may have made a mistake at this point because my family is the number one thing in my life. I have a six-year-old and I have a two-year-old um, with my wife and the wheels started to turn a little bit like what, what did I do? You know, I mean, people take risks in their lives all the time and oftentimes things work out fine, but you know, you get those ones that where it is a mistake. And I really started to think that and what really sent me over the top and, and decided that I, I had to get out um, at this point in my career was coming home one night from school after being there for 14 hours and still having two hours of work to do my five-year-old at the time says to me, daddy, you're never home and you never want to do anything mm. and just walked away. And that broke my heart. So the next morning I walked into my uh, principal's office and said, I, I can't do this anymore because my family is way too important to me. And this is killing my family right now. And she was very great about it. She did. A, she went out on a limb to help me out to get me back to the classroom to where there'd be a lot more time for me to be able to spend with my family. It, it only, it, it only took about a week for it to happen. I was very surprised at how fast it happened, but um, I was presented with the opportunity. There were no socialized positions open when I requested out. The only thing that was open was there was two PE positions open, one at a standard high school and one at a behavior school. And she asked me which one I would prefer. And I said, let me think about it for a little bit. I actually called it, went back to her office five minutes later. I said, you know what? I think I want to go to the behavior school because I've never taught PE before. I know the classes are going to be a little bit smaller, so it's going to be not as, it won't be as big of an adjustment, but a kid in a behavior school needs that positive influence. And I know I could be more of a positive influence on a kid at a behavior school than a kid that's in a class of 60 at a standard high school. Mm. So a lot of people, they asked me like, well, why would you want to go to behavior school? That's like the worst of the worst. And I said, you know what? In the beginning, it was a risk that I was taking to go to a place like that. But the way I see it now is that there is no such thing as a bad kid. There are good kids that have made poor decisions. Mm -hmm. And as long as you learn from that poor decision, you can redeem yourself. Now, do I have some students that are repeat offenders that are back for second stints? Absolutely, I do. Okay, and those are the kids that need that positive influence the most. But the majority of my kids are very good kids that just made a very poor decision. And that's why they're there and they learn from it and they get sent back to a standard school if they have behaved themselves and keep their grades up. So over the course of a 13-year career, there's been a lot of risks. 
in my career for myself as a person. There's been a lot of risks that I've taken when it comes to my teaching and affecting my students, but I look back on it and 80% of them were risks that worked out great right from the start. 20% were risks that I took that were either ones that didn't work out or were just flat out mistakes, but I've learned from those and I am a better person today as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kyle. Gosh, what a, what a great story. This is truly teaching tales. <laughs> you just spun a, <laughs> spun a, 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 a 25 minute tale. That's, that's awesome. And I was jotting down some notes as you were, as you were talking, because you, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about various risks at, various times in your career in various ways. The first one that struck me was when you talked about Google Classroom. Yes. That you said it was like the first day back from school, like back from summer break. So I'm assuming school was going to start in just a matter of days. Is that correct? We always report back on a Wednesday and the following Monday is the first day of school. So yes, I basically was, um, I had been working with Google Calendar up until that point and I just decided I'm like there has to be a better way and that's when I got into my email and saw that email about Google Classroom because again I was either going to start building a Google site again or I was going to maybe try out Edmodo and I saw that email about Google Classroom I said you know what this sounds like something that could potentially be pretty great and you know it was and like I said I look back at it now and it there was a lot of things that it couldn't do then that it can do now. But I mean, it just, it absolutely taught, changed the way I taught my classes. Well, and, and what struck me when you said that, what I, I, I immediately jot down, I wrote, I just wrote down, I'm looking at my notes. You gave it a shot right before school started. You hadn't, yes. spent, all, you hadn't spent all summer uh, familiarizing yourselves with every nook and cranny of it it was like oh my gosh this is great let's try this let's absolutely learn let's learn it learn as i go and what a great example for your students that i don't have to be the 100 expert on this hey boys and girls young men young women we're going to try this now it may not work perfectly and i'm assuming you had some wrinkles that needed to be ironed out as as you were going but what a great what a great model of risk taking for your kids. I mean that that was the first thing that struck me. Yeah. And and to take it one step further, my AP students that year were actually my guinea pigs with it because I always had a summer assignment for those AP students because there's just so much to cover in less time cuz you have that AP exam when they showed up on that Monday. I'd been in contact with them over email over the summer. They showed up on that Monday um asking last minute questions about what they had to do for the summer because they still had about a week to do it. And that's when I told them, I go, you've had this stuff. Well, we're going to try this new thing out with Google classroom. So I've placed everything on Google classroom. It's the exact same thing that you already have just in a digital format. So they were my Guinea pigs on it. And it, it, it was very wonky and it was very tough in the very beginning. And I still remember there, you get, you, the old wheel of death when you you click on something and then it just spins and i can remember it was either i don't know if it was district networking or if it was google servers 
but I can remember going in to look at student work and just getting that wheel of death so many times in that first couple months, but I stuck through it. And eventually it just, it became me. It became what I was as a teacher and how I taught mm -hmm. because I was willing to take that risk. Well, exactly. It, you, you work through it. You work through it and you were a better teacher on, on, on the other side. And the other thing that I wrote down too, when you talked about becoming the Dean of students, it, that, that was the title, right? Dean of students. Yes. Yes. So you're the Dean of students and that didn't work out. <laughs> Meaning it, it just had, it, it was too much of a time commitment. And again, what I jotted down and what struck me was what you learned from that experience, even though it wasn't something that you, you could stay in. It's like, I have to imagine that you learned immensely in that experience that you could now, now that you're, for example, at a, at a behavior high school teaching kids who have some behavioral challenges, your experience there, even though it didn't go well, it has to, it, it, it is, I have to, I, it has to be serving you in your current position. Oh, absolutely. I, I told myself wherever I ended up, whether I stayed in it and then eventually became an assistant principal, went, went through the whole gamut, or if I did return to the classroom, the one thing, the takeaway I took from it, one is that I've always tried to be a positive person anyway, mm -hmm. but being positive just goes so much further. You know, yeah. you get that. I would get that kid in my office for whatever infraction it may be, whether it was something as simple as the teacher sent him to the office because they were playing with their fidget spinner in the middle of class, or if it was something as severe as they got into a fight. So there was no use in raising the voice and, and getting condescending about anything. It was, listen, this is what you did. There are consequences for it. And Let's work so where the next time I see you, it's not in this setting. Mm -hmm. You're telling me about your soccer match from the other day or how you are first chair violin now in your music class or something. Let's not have you in this office, you know, revolving door style because of different behavior issues. And the other thing I took from it is that parent contact will take you to heights you can't even imagine. So I, I never was one that liked to contact parents a lot just because, A, it's time-consuming. You know, it's absolutely time-consuming. But, B, you also, you just dread those moments where, especially if you have to do it over something negative, yeah. having to hear the parent yell at you or whatever. And I never was a huge fan of having to contact parents. But now I contact parents. I, every day I'm writing at least 10 emails to parents, whether it's something behaviorally in class or, again, going back to that positive thing, I make sure that I write several positive emails about my students um, home to those parents. And um, I get the emails back sometimes. I don't get a lot of emails back. But the one that I, I wish I had it up in front of me right now, I wrote home a parent a couple of weeks ago and told her how much I enjoyed having her son in my class and what a great influence he was on others and that it's a behavior school. He's eventually leaving, but I'm, I'm going to miss him because of the positive attitude that he has. And she wrote me back saying that she had never heard a teacher say anything like that about her son and that it brought a tear to her eye. 
and that one i saved that email and that one that one will be with me for the rest of my life because yeah. that right there just that's why we do this when, when i hear something like that i know that i'm doing something right yeah well it wasn't a mistake going going back to it's kind of like so often we we try something and it doesn't work out and we can in our mind say well that was a mistake that was a, that was a learning experience i mean like cuz i i took a similar risk after spending 15 years of teaching at the elementary school, my first admin job was an assistant principal at a middle school. <laughs> when that opportunity came up and applied, it was like that was a big risk. Like I've never done middle school before, and and that was the same way. I had never done middle school, so going to I always taught high school, and then I was a middle school administrator, and it was just the the conversations, the way you approach kids are a lot different when they're that age, and then the things that like a kid would come in crying about something and you're like, what are you even doing right now in the back of your mind? Cause you know, you never had that experience with a high school kid. Cause they don't, you're fighting biology at middle school. Okay. Right. <laughs> they, they don't, they don't even know who they are, but no, but that's, I mean, but what I learned from that experience, like what you learned from that experience invaluable to incredibly, I mean, a lot of challenges during those, during those couple of years, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because now in my current position, Nothing surprises me. <laughs> I mean, in terms right. of nothing surprises me now. And similar to you, I mean, when you're with your, your position as dean, I mean, now you move to a behavior school and it's almost like a lateral move. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm not. But, but you've seen a lot. So it helped prepare you, even though it wasn't, wasn't uh, going to be your long-term landing spot. It helped. Right that risk prepared you for something else. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I always try to like when people share their stories, I want like, what's the moral of the story, so to speak. I mean, for anyone listening, for any teacher or administrator, but specifically speak to teachers, going back to your Google classroom, you do not have to be the expert in something to give it a shot. And if you're working with kids, your kids will help you out. I mean, it's, it, it, Give it a shot, because you did it with you did it with Google Classroom. The Wednesday before school started on a Monday, <laughs> and look where right. you are now. I mean, right? So that's yeah. Get, you give it a shot, and then have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> I mean, there's I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do something in class, and it's completely fallen on its face, and like, well, that went well, you know, and just you laugh it off, and you try it again. You you tweak something, you try it again, and um. You know, the, the first time I ever did Kahoot in a classroom and, um, you know, not really realizing that you figure that high school juniors would be mature enough not to put up dirty names on the Kahoot. But all of a sudden you got a you got a screen full of uh, names that not necessarily appropriate. So, yeah. oh, wait a second. So, yeah, so it's a risk you take. But, yeah, you have a sense of humor about it when you take those risks and um you just keep plugging. You just, yeah. you, you make them, you make that mistake and you keep going. Exactly. And in regards to administration, my experience didn't scare me from ever becoming an administrator again. It just made me realize that right now was not the right time mm -hmm. with a young family at home. that that time commitment. It just wasn't the right time. And I'm still a relatively young man. I still have several years to go before I reach retirement age. And who am I kidding? I'm not retiring at 54 anyway because nobody can afford to do that anyway. But um, so 
down the road when the kids are older, you know, I could definitely return to it yeah. because I'll have that commitment and I'll have the experience behind me as well. Even though I only was in that for six months, like you said, I learned so much during that six months. Yeah. Something that I can apply to my teaching and not, and, and I don't have to be an administrator, but I'll be that much better prepared down the road knowing what's going to be there versus going into a blind like I did this time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good, good stuff. Kyle, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, hopefully, hopefully people listening are getting something out of this and are encouraged to give it a shot. Take that risk. If it doesn't work the first time, don't quit. If it doesn't work the second time or the 32nd time, keep going because and again, you're modeling for your kids. You, you were a personal model for your kids. So thank awesome. you. Hey, Kyle. And, and thank you. And thank yeah. you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, you know, this was, this was a lot of fun and, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you here pretty soon at Q18 yes. and, uh, future events. Um, and I invite you to come up to Las Vegas, uh, come to some of our events up here and, uh, you're always welcome to come as just a participant or if you ever want to present, you are more than welcome. Well, thank you. I've got, uh, sister-in-law who lives in Vegas. So maybe I'll take you up on that sometime. <laughs> Sounds great. So and, uh, for anyone wanting to connect with you, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Anderson EdTech, and same thing on Voxer. Um, email AndersonEdTech at gmail.com. Um, and then my website uh, slash blog is www.AndersonEdTech.net. Uh, the blogs tend to be kind of professional slash biographical where I talk a lot about of experiences I'm having at the time or, you know, two new tools I've been trying and, and loving different things. And, um, every now and then, if it fires me up enough, I will get a little bit uh, political, not often. Um, but not even more like not, not so much politics, but, um, one of my blogs from last summer was my I really believe that we need to do more about uh, depression and mental health. And it was, uh, I was inspired right after Chris Cornell had passed away, mm. the lead singer from Soundgarden. Um, I wrote a post that was inspired by that. Um, so if the, uh, if the topic fancies me strong enough, I, I tend to do that, but they tend to be more ed tech and uh, professionally based with my blog. So uh, take a look again, www.andersonedtech.net and um, take a look at it. And I hope you enjoy Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kyle, once again, totally appreciate you taking the time. And for everyone listening, thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe. iTunes, Google Play. If you like what you hear, leave me a review. I would appreciate the feedback. And until next time, have a good one.